everyone seems to know one another. And having lived uh, between both of my parents' homes growing up after their divorce, I experienced this firsthand. Um, I grew up in Lafayette. I had both a town and a, a um, rural home outside of the city. And while Indy is a big city, let me just say it can feel real small. I experienced this as word traveled fast a few years back as the good road was chosen for Trinity Church, this, this church family. Brittany alluded to this time in our church's history when she spoke last week. It was a time in which the family system of this faith community was disrupted and those speaking good news and truth were pressed by those in power trying to hurt out truth tellers. I won't share the details except to say that the good news threatened the family system. Relational damage brought sustained trauma that even for some eventually caused burnout among those who had stuck it out and fought to take the good road. And I voiced this experience to both honor our siblings and to speak words of healing because there is no us versus them. Valerie Kerr in her memoir to see no stranger says this stories that divide the world into us and them have the singular power to disconnect us. But stories that expand the collective we have the power to return us to one another. We return to one another as the story is retold and the trauma is redeemed and reincorporated into our collective story. Kaur continues saying, human beings cannot remain in the silence and survive. And so we have to learn to say what is unsayable. We tell a story about violence to make sense of it. And this story returns to the public realm where grieving is possible. The act of naming violence and grieving loss in community is how the whole turns into a wound that can heal. This is true not only for this faith community, but in the broader community and world. And I think that's what we've been seeing, what we've witnessed happening with increasing frequency over the last couple of years. And so we move forward honoring the Lord's faithful presence that has been and continues to ignite our imaginations in pursuing the kingdom. I believe that this faith community has been healing and who we are today is an embodiment of the truth of what Simeon prayed and prophesied over Jesus when he was brought to the temple as a baby. The truth that Jesus is the one who will heal our broken ways and set us free. We have lived this good news on the good road and embracing the good story. Today, we're going to re-enter the story found in scripture. We're going to re-enter the story right where we left off last week in Luke chapter 4. And I'm reminded of how our experience parallels Jesus' experience of the good road. Jesus has been baptized and emerges out of the wilderness where he's been tempted and yet chosen to take the good road. And news of him begins to travel quite fast. Chapter 4, verse 14, begins with these words. The power of the Spirit was now resting on Creator, sets free. 
We're going to pick up in verse 14. I'm going to read all the way through verse 30. I will be reading from the First Nations version again, as we're doing throughout this series. I know many of you do not have that in front of you. So if you want to follow along in another version, that's fine. But I would just encourage you to listen as there are uh, different words that are used in this text. And I will do my best here to explain where explaining is needed. But also want to remind you, as Brittany mentioned last week, there are some comments that are made um, to help us understand a little bit more the First Nations perspective. And so I'm going to read those comments as well. So just listen. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 30. The power of the Spirit was now resting on Creator sets free, who is Jesus. So he returned to the territory of Circle of Nations, which is Galilee. News about him began to spread like wildfire throughout the villages, for he was teaching in their gathering houses, and the people gave him much honor. The note here says, In law given from, drawn from the water, who is Moses, all the tribes were instructed to keep a day of resting called the Sabbath. This was the seventh day of the week to honor and remember the time when creator rested on the seventh day after making all things. On that day, no work was to be done and how far one could walk was limited. The tribal people would meet together at their village gathering house on this day. On the day, on one of these days of resting, creator sets free, returned to his boyhood home in seed planter village, which is Nazareth. As was his tradition, he entered the gathering house and stood up to read from the ancient sacred teachings. The headman handed him the scroll with the words from the prophet creator will help us, who is Isaiah. He opened the scroll and began to read. He spoke with deep respect in his voice as he held the scroll in a sacred manner. His words were strong and clear and his eyes were bright and full of life as he read. And he said this, the spirit of creator has come to rest on me. He has chosen me to tell the good story to the ones who are poor. He has sent me to mend broken hearts, to tell prisoners they have been set free, to make the blind see again, and to lift up the ones who have been pushed down, to make it known that creator's year of setting free has come at last. He rolled up the scroll, returned it to the head man and sat down. All eyes were fixed on him, wondering what he would say. He looked around at them and spoke clearly with a strong voice. Today, these words you have heard have found their full meaning. Then he began to teach and share his wisdom with them. At first, they were amazed at the power and beauty of his words. But soon the meaning of his words sank into their hearts and the mood of the people began to change. Is this not the son of bitter tears who is Mary and he gives sons who is Joseph, the woodcarver? So he said to them, I am sure you will tell me this wise saying, healer, use your medicine on yourself. And you will say, we want to see you do here in your own village, the powerful signs you did in the village of comfort, which is Capernaum. But the truth is a prophet is given much honor except in his own village, among his own clan, and in his own house. Those who were listening continued to grumble out loud, shaking their heads and rolling their eyes. I speak from my heart, he said to them. 
There were many widows in the land of wrestles with creator, which is Israel, during the days of the prophet great spirit is creator, who is Elijah. It was a time of great hunger and food was hard to find. It had not rained for more than three winters, but great spirit is creator, Elijah, was not sent to any of these widows. Instead, he was sent to refining fire woman, who is Zarephath, a widow in the territory of hunting grounds in Sidon, an outside nation. And there were many with a skin disease in the days of the prophet creator saves us, Elisha, but none were healed and cleansed except for looks handsome, who is Naaman, an outsider from bright sun in Syria, the head soldier of the enemy's army. The people in the gathering house were insulted and furious at his words. Together, they herded him out of the village hillside to throw him off the cliff. But he slipped through the crowd and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. So I want to take a few moments and actually walk back through the text this morning. You're welcome at this point to follow along in whatever version you might have in front of you. And I would like us to wonder together as we pay attention to how the good news is dangerous business as it brings disruption to systems influenced by oppressive and colonizing forces. For thousands of years, reading in the synagogue on the Sabbath during their services focused on the reading from the Torah and the prophets. So every week, one adult member of the congregation or sometimes an educated visitor would be invited to read and give a brief meditation on how the days' passages related to one another. The prophetic reading is called the Haftarah, which means completion. In verse 16, we see Jesus follow the traditions of Sabbath, entering the gathering house. And with word of uh, having been traveled fast, it is of little surprise to us that he would have been invited to give the reading that morning. So he stands up to read or possibly chant, as was also customary, from the ancient sacred readings. Luke doesn't mention the Torah reading for the day, but that the words of the prophet Isaiah were handed to him to share. And it makes me wonder, what did the headman know about Jesus before he even arrived that morning? And what does this prophecy fulfilled mean for the people, for those who were oppressed and overlooked by oppressive and colonizing forces? I think our text for today shows the good story as having two parallel impacts. And the first one we see here, that there is good news for the oppressed. The oppressed being those upon whom the colonizing forces of the day placed value based on how much taxes they could contribute to the empire. It included those who were imprisoned often by those same colonizing forces and those whose dignity was disregarded because of disability or being downcast socially. These were folks who were unseen or ignored. They were cast out of belonging. I want to make a note here that when we read the words blind in this passage, it 
means an additional thing than what usually comes to our mind. It's not simply physical blindness, but it also can refer to those who could not see in their mind. So we might say those who had lost their sense of wonder and imagination for what God could and would do. In other words, the good story is for all who have been bound in some way, shape or form and cast outside. Reading from both the Greek and then the original Hebrew text that's quoted from Isaiah, we might translate the passage in this way. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news to those who have been left destitute, to encourage the afflicted or the meek. He has sent me to proclaim release from bondage, to bind the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty for those who have been held captive. Recovering sight, not just physically, but cognitively, opening the eyes even of those who are bound or imprisoned to release from bondage those who have been broken into pieces or shattered by the world and to herald the good news that with the Lord there is favor or acceptance. We might say belonging and to announce the existing one's favor upon them. Surely these were familiar words to Jesus. But I wonder what was going on in Jesus's mind after having read these words, taking his seat with now all the eyes fixed upon him with anticipation, right? I wonder if he thought, well, I might as just well respond. Today, these words you have heard have found their full meaning. I don't know. It sounds kind of funny to our ears, these words, but they're kind of like an amen or a proclamation of completion of haftarah. Maybe he thought, I guess I'll just keep going and teaching and that's what's expected of me today. And so he continues. And verse 22 says they were amazed, but as words sank into their hearts, the mood of the people began to change to which I think that is of no surprise, right? Remember back to Simeon's prophecy in chapter two about how Jesus would expose the thoughts of many and is the one who will heal our broken ways and set us free. The reaction though is to dismiss him as a nobody, the son of Mary and a woodcarver named Joseph, likely poking fun at his presumed scandal in his parentage, perhaps even in front of his mother, and relatives shaming him effectively saying he doesn't belong and kicking him out of the family with words he is rejected by his own village verse 23 onward jesus calls them out acknowledging that like with other prophets he is not given honor in his own village or his own clan or even in his own house Hebrew biblical scholar and Episcopal priest who also happens to be a womanist theologian named Wilda Gaffney reminds us that Jesus's words here acknowledge the truth of our own experiences today, that your gifts may not be accepted, welcomed, or lauded by the folk who should be in your corner. Jesus continues speaking from the heart or in truth, reminding the listeners that with the drought of the famine during Elijah's ministry, which we can read about in 1 Kings, that the spirit was upon a widow 
who lived in Sidon. Now, the important thing here, it's like Jesus is like, alert, alert, pay attention. This is an outside nation. The spirit was upon a widow in the outside nation. And also, Naaman was healed during a time of the prophet Elisha when none were being healed. And again, pay attention. This head soldier was of an enemy army. The people become furious. It's like you can feel the temperature in the room just rising. And this is where I think we see our second parallel impact of the good story. There is good news, not just for those on the inside, for those who are gathered together, but for those who were thought to be outside of the house of the Lord. Sometimes these folks are referred to as Gentiles in the New Testament. But here Jesus is referring to these folks as outside nations and even enemies. You see, Jesus is disrupting the family system. Gaffney further comments that God's epiphanies are not reserved for princes or, and potentates. God reveals presence, power, and providence to whom she will, often choosing the most vulnerable, the outcast, the overlooked, to bear witness to her mercy and majesty. God's concern and care is not bound. And God will go right on doing her good work, no matter what anyone thinks of her messengers, including to folk who are not thought worthy. In the midst of Jesus doing God's work, choosing the good road, the people pushed him out to throw him off a cliff. I can't think really of anything more extreme. But it says he escaped through the crowd. And it makes me wonder who might have helped him find a way out of what would nearly be an impossible situation. Surely in making good trouble, Jesus is not alone. And he shows us that to tell the good story, to follow the good road is dangerous business. It disrupts the systems of power as the story of the ones who are oppressed is told. And belonging to God is declared, and the realm of God's kingdom extends beyond the systems and structures that divide the world into us and them. Friends, our healing journey has not concluded, because telling the good story continues to be dangerous business. We might even be rejected in our own village, by our own families, friends, co-workers, and even siblings in Christ in the broader church. Until the very end, there is a continual need for stories that expand the collective we, returning us to God and to one another. On the good road, we're not alone. And in solidarity with one another, we follow Jesus, the one who will heal our broken ways and set us free. And this is good news for us today. It is good news that we carry in fostering a haven of belonging, leaning into our practices, growing in hospitality and listening and learning, belonging, serving and participating. No one said the good road was easy. May we remain steadfast, 
allowing God to shape our imagination toward the kingdom that is and is to come. May we travel with Jesus on the good road today in this world where God continues to make some good trouble in the face of oppressive and colonizing forces. And may the good news spread like wildfire throughout the villages today. Amen.